The winemakers are up next, but first, check out this other great show on the Radio Misfits Podcast Network. Destination Eat Drink. I'm Brent Peterson. Each week on the podcast, we visit a different foodie city and explore the cuisine that makes that place special, whether it be custard tarts in Lisbon, mango beer in Mumbai, or lizard curry in Guatemala. Download Destination Eat Drink today on the Radio Misfits Podcast Network. From the birthplace of modern winemaking, Sonoma, California, welcome to the winemakers. Local experts Sam Katuri, Bart Hansen, and Brian Casey, along with host John Myers, invite you to listen in as they discuss all facets of winemaking. So sit back, pour yourself a glass, and let's hear what the guys have to say this week. Oh, that was a nice pour, Sam. Did that sound like incredibly fresh wine? It did. Incredible. Is that, is that a wine? new pour? I not think only that, that not only that, it's it bottle, like bottle number nine. <laughs> Holy crap. Bottle number nine. Bottle like, that's love, like love potion number nine right here. <laughs> so <laughs> that like just a, means that was the first case first off. First case, yeah, totally. <laughs> exactly. That's what I get to take home. Yeah. 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 Hey, so everybody, we'll welcome to the winemakers. I'm John Myers <laughs> with Sam Katuri, Bart Hansen, Brian Casey, and Gustavo Sotelo. How are you? And you are the winemaker. Scribe, one of our favorite people to talk about. <laughs> Seriously, and you, we just poured a Nouveau, a Pinot Nouveau. We we're just talking about everybody knows Beaujolais Nouveau, and well, this is the only this. Nouveau you're going to get this year, John, because there is I'm no about that. there is no Beaujolais Nouveau coming uh, into the United States because they say probably because a it was a terrible vintage in France um, between frost and rain and all kinds of problems. Uh, they also are worried that they can't um, get, it get it here in time. That like the, supply you know, all the supply issues. chain issues and shipping channels and, and they are know, screwed up. It's also it's stuck in the Suez Canal or something. So yeah, there's no, uh, no, no, bo- no nouveau parties. 2021, no nouveau parties. And so and that is a, big, unless, big unless we jam. somehow get an invitation to the scribe nouveau party, which, uh, we probably won't. We can we can ask. You never get if you aged out. Let's see how the show goes. Uh, Alice and Althea will get an invitation, and I'll I'll ride in on their coattails. I just won't tell them I'm from the podcast. Well, we've never. All we've done is talk nicely about Scribe, and how many times we go by there, and I've just never been in because. I haven't been able to get in. Because you can't get in. Yeah, yeah. That's been the idea. That restaurant's so popular, I don't go there anymore. (laughs) There you go. Why not? Gustavo, how long have you been with the folks at Scribe, and um, how did you find your way there? Uh, So I've been working there for almost 10 years. I started in the tasting room while I was uh, going to school at UC Davis. Um, A friend of mine started working there just a couple years after they had opened their tasting room, and I was looking for a gig to kind of stay connected with the industry. And uh, so in 2012, I started helping out in their now very famous uh, wine club parties, and which we haven't done, unfortunately, in a couple of years because of obvious reasons. Um, and then uh, when I finished Davis, I actually left Scribe because I was looking for a full-time winemaking gig. And um, I did a harvest in Spain in the Ribera del Duero. And then when I came back, um, I bounced around a couple of different places in Napa for the beginning of 2015. But by summer that year, I came back to Scribe as their uh, first assistant winemaker. So I've been in the winemaking team now. This was my seventh vintage. 
awesome. Nice. Thank you. And Spain must have been a lot of fun, too. It was an amazing experience. For me, a dream come true. Um, wine isn't my first career. I actually um, was working in New York in the publishing industry as a finance and business operations analyst. And didn't really like the day job, but I was in my early 20s and having a lot of fun in New York. And, the uh, finance and that's the place uh, to do it. Publishing industry finance podcasts uh, have less <laughs> bottles of wine on the table. <laughs> <laughs> And uh, I found out about um, these uh, wine tasting classes that were offered by the uh, Spanish cultural arm uh, of the Spanish government called Instituto Cervantes. And it was a professor there who's also a philosophy um, instructor at NYU. And he was giving all these classes. So for two years straight, I went to every class that he offered, learned everything about Spanish wine and Spanish nice. history and culture. by And a lot of Grenache, I'm sure. A lot of Grenache, a lot of uh, Tempranillo. A lot of wines from Galicia as well. And during those tastings in New York, this is, was now almost 12, 13 years ago, I met um, a producer that came to pour for us from Ribera del Duero, um, their Bodegas Mauro. And the guy who founded uh, Bodegas Mauro was the winemaker at Vega Sicilia for 30 years prior to that. Um, he was actually born on the Vega Sicilia grounds. You met the right people, didn't you? And kept in touch <laughs> with them through all these years. Um, so I kind of set myself a path when I was still in New York of figuring out a way to get myself into the wine industry. And part of that was moving out to California in 2010 to work my first harvest. So I've actually been working in Carneros for almost my whole career. Um, what was the first harvest? I worked at Etude Wines. Oh, yeah. Um, Tony Soder had already kind of left, but he was still acting as a consulting right. consultant for the project. Um, but John Priest had taken over the reins winemaking-wise, and uh, Rob Fisher, who's now making wines for Marine Layer, um, he was the guy that brought me over from New York and gave me my first shot. So, What was that, making wines for Marine Layer? Uh, so Mar Marine Layer is the new okay. brand that Rob okay. Fisher is working for. Um, but I started out of Tude Wines. Okay. And, uh, I mean, it was an amazing experience because of all the different varieties um, that Etude works with. Um, you know, I, I made my first Pinot Rosé there with Etude, and now the Rosé Pinot for Scribe is one of our really important SKUs there. Um, How big is Etude, you know, for reference for people? Um, the year that I worked there, we probably crushed close to 600 tons. Um, and I That's ended up bunch of wine that's a it really that's is a, that's a busy harvest <laughs> yeah that's a lot of that's and their average fermenter size is five tons so <laughs> you can imagine how many lots you're busy is, yeah uh, a lot you, of dig -outs. did you make it through send the new uh, guy back into that tank did you make it through the rain this week okay yeah i mean the atmospheric river we've talked about atmospheric rivers before this was an atmospheric pacific ocean that we got dumped on this, <laughs> yeah, this was the atmospheric mississippi big one man what was the other term that they used in the media the uh, bomb, the cyclone. bomb <laughs> cyclone bomb <laughs> cyclone which is just a the it's a it's a toots in the maytals it's a pressure drop right yeah. right i didn't hear that i had heard, i thought we used to talk about pineapple express yeah that's something oh, different i mean it's, isn't that's <laughs> that's weed is, it, is that is that different than this though <laughs> I don't think so. I, think I don't it was think all so. Tropical uh, yeah. pressures coming in. I mean, that's the thing about all these. Uh, we're, we're as it's usual all okay. getting off topic. Um, <laughs> these like all these weather phenomenons. How many of them used to happen? We just didn't have the name or like the shitloads of the rain. Science, yeah. right? It's it's gonna rain for you know the next thirty six hours. Oh, pressure drop. There we go. 
seconds though, right? Ten, right before we get sued. Hey, yeah, yeah, yeah. we've got a producer <laughs> and a music. Or before people start turning off the show. Right. <laughs> anyway, you made it through, right? Made it through, yeah. Scribe the, also. The property did fine. I mean, I, I I was mostly concerned about all the, you know, the glass fire region up in Napa, and that there was going to be a bunch yeah. of mudslides there. But it seemed like, for did the most hold? part, everything held well. And, wow. Um, the spillways are going crazy. I'll say that. I mean, think, it's a lot of water out there. Partly because we had an earlier harvest too. I think a lot of the vineyard crews had a chance to winterize the vineyards a little better as well to kind of uh, forestall any erosion there. But scribe property did fine. We had no issues there and just happy to have some rain. Last week I talked to a, a local guy and he said, oh, I still got some cab and Cabernet Franc out. It can sit through the rain. <laughs> yeah, maybe not that rain. That was, that was what would happen yeah. to it in that rain? Just, I think it, it would just, melt. It just melts. I mean, just the, sh- uh, you know, your let alone the the moisture, the, you know, just the, like, she- exactly, the sheer force of, of getting relentlessly pounded for 36 hours would just destroy, you know, anything that's hanging out right right now. It would have been soft and, you know. No skin. It would have been, been dehydrated, yeah. <laughs> ironically. Yeah. Um, <laughs> One of my coworkers did tell me this morning he did see some gondolas full of fruit being trucked around on 121 this morning. So people I, are still picking. Huh. Yeah, I, 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 you know, desperation. You, you got it, right? I guess is that desperation. Well, is that what year. you said? Right. Well, if it's out there and you own it, well, and it's a short year, do. so you know there are those people that will take it and pay minimal amount of money for it. And, Nature's water, Ed. And, yeah, and, and, <laughs> and process it and process it and process it and process it. Yeah. It is juice. Yeah. It's just wet juice. Yeah. yeah, no, you're probably stoked if you if you were going to have to pick it, picking it on Friday last or this week, your your weight went way up. Your volume, you know, you're like doing good in the numbers if you're picking it this week. <laughs> That's about all you're doing good in. <laughs> all right, let's talk about the new... The new wines, yes. right? And just will you preface it by sort of telling people about Galicia, like where it is in Spain and what, uh, like, so people can sort yeah. of get a, a feel for it. Uh, so my wife and I started our own project uh, back in 2019, and uh, it, I've been thinking about... Let's, let's shout out Jackie real quick, who runs the, the uh, Bedrock Tasting Room shop and uh, cool. keeps Chris and Morgan in line. Yeah, which is no easy <laughs> full-time task. Job. Full-time job. <laughs> She's been part of the Bedrock team now for almost four years, and uh, she got into the wine industry in 2017 um, after we m- moved up to Napa. Uh, prior to that, she'd been doing urban planning in San Francisco and marketing, and she kind of took all that skill set that she had and applied it to the wine industry. And um, I always tell her that, you know, there were two brands that I wanted to work for when I was graduating from Davis. One was Scribe, and the second one was Bedrock. So the fact that she's now working Bingo. at Bedrock is like <laughs> perfect. That's nice. Actually. Conquered the world. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, what's next? What's the next act? Retirement soon, right. hopefully. Yeah. No, why not? Yeah. I love all these shiners on the table. This is uh, I love this when they're doing barrel samples. So, uh, yeah, we started a brand in 2019. Um, it took us a really long time to figure out a brand name, and we were – Tossing around different ideas, trying to use can, Spanish. Can in you it. share some of the some of the failed names with us? Oh, I can't even remember at this point. One of the ones that I, I really was going for was Bestia, which means beast in Spanish. Mm-hmm. But then I found out there was a restaurant in LA that had the same name, 
in the, pretty famous restaurant in LA. Pretty famous. Yeah. So I figured we would probably have a losing battle there trying to get right. that trademark. <laughs> right. uh, it might pick you up though, right? <laughs> <laughs> Easiest sell we had so far. <laughs> and then we ended up leaning on you know what felt most comfortable and the most simple thing, which was uh, my family last name, which is Sotelo. Uh, Sotelo is a name um, that has origins in Galicia, which is in northwestern um, Spain, um, just north of uh, Portugal. Um, and the word Sotelo means uh, grove or like small forest there. Um, that, and when I visited in 2014, I actually saw, I didn't go to the town, but I saw signs to a town that is called Sotelo. Um, so it just felt very fitting to use my last name because we, we, our brand is solely focused on Spanish varieties grown in California um, or uh, varieties that don't exist yet here but that we're trying to import into California. Um, so we started in and, 2019. And what are some of those varieties? Uh, so in um, Basque country, there's a region called uh, uh, my favorite Chacolí, Getarico Chacolí. So there's a variety there called Hondarabi Zuri um, that I'd like to bring over. Um, surprisingly, I thought with you know having two different Spanish brands here in Carneros that there would have been already Spanish varieties for cava production mm -hmm. being grown here, but there's no Parrellada, there's no Charolo. So those are varieties that we want to um, bring in as well. And since I had this idea of this project, some of those varieties that I also wanted to bring in, like Mencia and Godeo, have arrived. Um, Mencia is already part of the FPS library, but I think the Godeo that uh, Michael Havens has, and there's some more um, in the Sierra foothills that I work with, I don't believe those are actually part of the collection at UC Davis yet. So, uh, Bedrock made the Godeo, didn't they, a that couple years the, ago from that was, somewhere? That was the... Yeah, um, so they were they were making wine with Michael Havens under the Abrenti. Yeah, yeah. it was Abrenti. Yeah. Um, and Michael Havens still makes those wines, but now under the Cave Dog label. Yes, that's oh. where I Cave had Dog. It. Yeah, yeah, Bottle Barn. If you want to pick up a bottle, I've had so that Cave before. Cave Dog is Michael Havens. Yes. Yep. Okay. And uh, I think recently I saw a post from Morgan that he's planted the Portuguese clone of Godeo at Bedrock. So he's doing like a mix whites that includes some Albarino, some Godeo, spelled somewhat differently. Um, so you're starting to see some of these Spanish varieties, um, but there's more that I want to bring in from, from Spain. So I'm working with a nursery in um, just north of Rioja and Navarra uh, to try to import them. I, I want to do it officially through UC Davis. I don't have any land to plant them, so the five years that it's going to take me to go through the quarantine program, hopefully throughout that time I'll find a, a grower that's um, interested in uh, budding over some of these varieties on the vineyards. And just besides your own personal interests of wanting to work with these different varieties, do you think that they're suited to the climate here? Uh, yes. I think... Uh, that's also part of the reason why I want to work with these. And I'm, I'm passing you guys a bottle of our, uh, uh, this is just recently fermented. This is a barrel sample of a new white that we're coming out with. This is the 2021 Arinto. Arinto is a grape mostly known in Portugal for making Vinho Verde, but is also grown in um, Galicia. Okay. Um, Bart and, and his wife are big fans of the, the Vino Verde wines. Uh, <laughs> so my main interest is making um, Chacolí style whites, but the Chacolí varieties don't exist yet in California. So I'm going to start with the Rinto. Make okay, well, I'm going to do this to you a bunch. Can you t tell us what are those style wines? Because pretend like the listeners and for that matter, I don't know anything about Spanish wines. So. Absolutely. 
Um, so uh, the region of Chacolí or Hetarico Chacolí, it's all in northern, northeastern Spain. They call it Green Spain. Um, it faces the Atlantic, and it gets a lot of that maritime influence. So cooler weather, um, and the white wines that they make there are low alcohol, high acid, and always with a little spritz. Um, awesome food to have with yeah. all the uh, Spanish culinary cuisine, especially all their uh, tinned fish and salted seafood plates yeah. that they have. Um, so uh, I haven't been able to find those varieties here, but what I did find was a rinto being grown in southern Monterey County at Pierce Ranch. Uh, so my goal is to make that style of wine, light alcohol, slight spritz, refreshing, really food friendly. For sure. <laughs> Yeah, Brian's salivating. That's always <laughs> Brian is speechless. Right, exactly. Really I mean, this wine—it really does. It makes you salivate. It's yeah. it's delicious. Yeah, I love it. We should have very aromatic. Rated somebody's tin fish stash wow. for this tasting. Yeah. For this Head podcast. down to Valley. Valley. Grab, a, grab, grab a can. Tanner, if you're listening, no wait, no, it doesn't look like that. This <laughs> isn't live radio. Ooh, that's really nice. Wow. And what's really impressive nice. about all these Spanish white varieties that are grown on the Atlantic, like in Galicia and the Basque Country, is I think because of that really wet weather that these varieties kind of evolved in, they developed a really thick skin so that they're not as perceptible to mildew issues. But I think what I, what I found here in California with growing with these varieties is that thick skin also makes them adapted to warmer climate. Right. So they don't raisinate as quickly. Um, I'm working with an Albarino in the Sierra foothills, and you always think of Albarino as low alcohol, high acid. You would think it's maybe too hot to be grown there, but it does beautifully. It ripens slowly. You never get any issues with sunburn or raisining. So I think it's a good, you know, another one of those varieties that's a good candidate for our evolving climate. Yeah, that was going to be my, exactly my question, is, is as you kind of have developed this project, was that part of your sort of mental calculus and that these are you know probably a place that we in california should be looking for you know more drought resistant more you know uh, uh, uh resilient to climate change type varieties than say um you know it might be getting too hot for I don't know, <laughs> pinot noir nouveau to be made in california <laughs> just something that comes off my head i don't yeah. know why um <laughs> sorry at andrew and adam um they're not listening they're not listening uh but uh, is that, was that part of what you were thinking as you were kind of developing this, or was it just because sort yeah. of the, the personal connection to the yeah? To the I'd, I'd the be bride. giving myself too much credit to say if <laughs> 10, 12 years ago when I was getting into wine, I was like, oh, it's gonna get really hot, so these are the varieties to work. But it was always more of a personal choice, and as I've started to work with them, and we've seen these last five, six vintages unfold, it's making me feel more reassured that the varieties that I'm picking have a future in the right. state. Right. And, and so this is Monterey County. Monterey County is a big county. So wh where in Monterey County? This is the very southern tip of Monterey County. It's okay. just about a half hour drive north of Paso Robles. Okay. Um, in a so, valley called San Antonio Valley. Right. Okay. Okay. And warm. and is and that's considered warm, right? Because it's um, it's far enough inland that it doesn't get the fog from over the. Is that the Salinas Hills? What is that? Templeton range? Gap. Templeton Gap. Oh, and it's that far. Oh, it's that far south, right? Yeah. Yeah. Templeton oh, Gap sense. is about a half hour, forty-five minutes south of it. Yeah. So that gap, it doesn't get yeah, much yeah. influence from yeah. there. Um, so it's pretty arid, and most of the varieties that this family, the Pierce family, has planted there are reds, but they do have Arinto, um, Albarino, 
they have one other white variety. It might be Grenache Blanc. I'm not sure. Um, but it's a variety, again, that's big clusters, loose clusters, thick skins, no problem in that heat. Yeah. And I pick it, you know, at 20, 21 bricks too, so. A grower's favorite thing. <laughs> pick my grapes early, please. Especially these days. Well, that's delicious. Yeah. So that will be a new wine for us for um, 2021. Um, and, and what was the winemaking on that? What was it fermented in? All stainless steel. Um, again, part of the style, the chocolate yeah. wines that I'm trying to make. It's all clean. Uh, there's no wood impact, no malolactic. You can taste that. Yeah. So that'll that's comes through. Essentially ready for bottling then. I mean, what more? Ready for bottling. Just trying to find glass. Yeah. Okay. And so you'll, you'll bottle it sometime <laughs> in the next six to 12 months. Okay. How's that Check. going? Uh, it's a not, it's a challenge. Um, we are definitely planning now months and months ahead of our bottlings to get glass early and get glass delivered way ahead of time. What are the local firms doing? Are they really kicking up their production? Well, I have I, I well, there's not a lot of local production of glass. Um, I know my uh, one of my suppliers is telling me that if I don't take delivery on what they have my name on, I'll lose it. So that's um, that's one aspect of it. Jeez, that's just there's so much pressure on what they have to sell. Yeah, otherwise, uh, otherwise they've been sitting on it. You know, it was supposed to be for a bottling that didn't happen. Um, and they're sitting on it, and if I'm not going to use it, they have people that are waiting for it. So, when were you supposed to take it? Have they jumped the date on you? No, no, it's all you know. We're just all under. It's all about conversations. Yeah. Slow down there, Brian. Brian's having a lot of fun today. Oh, these are great. This is a great start. For me. Brian's so, enjoying this so much he's forgetting where the microphone is. <laughs> he's talking into the into he's the talking, he's talking into the bottle. <laughs> Um, whispering sweet nothings to the corks. So yeah, it's uh, you know I've I've heard a lot of uh, horror stories from other friends at other wineries where they're not finding the molds that um, their uh, wineries worked with for years, and they're having to change molds. And sometimes you know the labels are very precise on how they were designed for a specific mold. So I think everybody's kind of been thrown for a loop and trying to figure out you know what's what's the next move. And for us, it's, you know, luckily we have a small old turkey shed at Scribe where, we, right, can store, <laughs> um, we, where we can store a bunch of farm equipment and we just moved it out and taken in orders earlier. Yeah. I wonder if An- Angelo Cosimo is still driving around with a with truck that, full of, truck uh, full of uh, bottles. If it co- turn around and come back, Matt. <laughs> um, can you t- uh, – let's talk about this wine because obviously the before, aromatics – Before Brian faints. Right. The aromatics <laughs> on it are crazy. And, um, yeah, just g- get into it, please. So um, I just poured our first white wine that we ever produced. This is our 2020 Albor. Um, Albor is a Spanish word that means first light. And it's a blend of 60% Albarino, 40% Codeo from a vineyard in Calaveras County, uh, just uh, west of Angel's Camp. Um, so it's uh, inspired by the blends of Ribeiro and Galicia. Uh, most people know Albarino from Rias Baixas, and that's mostly just straight Albarino. But if you go to the smaller subregions in Galicia, just south and east of Rias Baixas, that's where you find these white blends. Um, I find Albarino and Godeo to be uh, two varieties that work really well with a little bit more least contact. Um, and this white, I do a mixture of um, 
large four, uh, 600 liter puncheons and some stainless steel. Um, I block, block model lactic again. I really find that for aromatic whites, um, if you go through malolactic fermentation, it kind of muddles that beautiful aromatic character that they have. Mm. So I block the mallow it's to really just nice. keep that cleanliness. Um, and then it stays in barrel for about 10 months on the lease before I bottle. So this wow. was bottled um, June of in this year. Neutral? Neutral? Neutral punches. Neutral punches. But without the malolactic, but there's still a richness to it, and then that acid gets completely focused to the center of your mouth. Whereas when we were having the uh, the last wine, it was all just making you salivate on the corners and the sides. This thing is just like super focused mm -hmm. acid. And one really interesting about um, Albarino is that similar to uh, Ribola Gialla, it is a white variety that provides some tannin. On the finish, Riesling can also give some tannin on the and texture on the wine, and I I'm really enjoying white wines these days that have a little bit, bit of texture to them. Yeah. So I really like how that slight tannin on the finish of this wine just really extends that. And, and uh, I apologize if you already touched on this. Would these two varieties traditionally in Spain be um, blended together? In certain sub regions in Galicia, yes. Okay. But what gets exported to most of the world, they're um, single varietal bottlings right. um, of Albarino, basically of Albarino, some Godeo, and I thought about doing them separately, but um, you know I'm just starting this project and I have my hands full at Scribes, so to start off with, you know, yeah, you have a perfectly good full time job, right? Yeah, you don't know, ruin it by complicating <laughs> your passion project. Uh, so are they co-fermented or are you blending them afterward? Uh, last year I blended them after the fact. This year I've just co-fermented. And then, how many cases? And um, uh, well, when are when are they? They're in labels. I know you haven't released them yet. Yeah. Um, touch space. Let's give it the website. Yes, yeah. all that stuff. Sell some wine. So we uh, we're gonna release in November. We're just finishing up the last few pieces of our website. Um, so if you want to sign up to the mailing list, so you get an update of when that website and sale goes live, go to sotellowines.com. That's S-O-T-E-L-O wines.com. Or you can follow us on Instagram, sotello.wines. And, and the Instagram um, feed has been really cool. Um, uh, really well done. It's a great tease. Um, so I don't know if that's you or Jackie or both you, but yeah, uh, kudos you to know, that. part of what we're, we're trying to really lean, lean in on uh kind of our origins, not only of our last name that goes back to Spain, but also the fact that I was raised and grew up in Mexico City. So we, we're trying to find uh, a new image to what a normal label and wine, winery brand in California looks like. Um, so we actually ended up working with a design studio in Bogota, Colombia, hmm. who's helping us with the design and helping us with all the Instagram as well. And uh, there are, um, the, the company name's Latitude or Latitude Studio. And they've been helping us come up with all this content, and I feel like they really uh, found what um, what was the voice that we wanted to come out for our release, and uh, they're how, the ones who are like helping us build a website as well. How so. did you um, get in touch with them, or how did you choose them? Uh, some friends of my wife uh, have a coffee brand called. I'm gonna blink on it right now, but they have a coffee brand based in Colombia. Yeah. And uh, what was that? No, I say. So I thought it was funny because so I have a friend who whose family is from Bogota, but he lives here and does web design. But he does a lot of work for companies in Bogota, 
And huh. so I th- that was funny to me. That it's it's, the it's like the the inverse that you yeah. have someone there doing it for you here. Yeah. And uh, he worked. He worked in. He lived in Colombia for a while. Got into wine. Found a design studio down there. So when we were looking for something just off the beaten path, um, he was the one who put us in touch with uh, this studio. Hmm. So we actually never met these people face to face, but a lot of Zoom. And hopefully, once things open up for COVID, we can actually have them come up and they can try the wines because they've been just doing all the branding work for us. Yeah, bring a little Ardoadiente for you too. (laughs) Is Bogota in the same time zone as? California has that was zooming. Uh, you're going south. You're not. It's not like these zooms you got to do with France, where right. it's seven in the morning. It's not too bad. They're two hours ahead. Okay, so yeah. it's like it's like uh, zooming with yeah. Chicago. Yeah, exactly. It works well. I'll, we'll have a meeting at six a.m., seven a.m. our time, and they're just getting into work, and it gives me a chance to get some stuff done before go do the before the day job calls yeah um so talk a little bit about growing up in mexico city and because i did listen to your podcast with the not as much fun um (laughs) guys from across town the zero um, wine on the show right exactly the wine show with no wine on it the wine show with no wine on it um shout out chris i'm I'm coming for my uh doing silver october (laughs) (laughs) permanent um growing up in mexico city and then um and, and, and yeah, and how your family came to the United States and what that was like. Yeah, so I was born and raised in Mexico City to two parents who are involved in academia. Uh, so my dad was a longtime um, civil and hydraulic engineer professor at the big public university um, called UNAM. And uh, my mom's from, from the U.S. She was born in uh, Iowa, but she's a... Uh, army brat, so she kind of lived everywhere, including Cuba during the uh, missile crisis there. So she still remembers being in class and uh, a general coming into the classroom and saying, go home, go see your parents, we're leaving the island today. Like, she still remembers that day. Um, But uh, they met in Chicago while my mom was going to um, uh, hospital administration school there. And then she ended up moving to Mexico City. And, uh, yeah, I was born and raised there. Um, Spoke English with her all my life. And when I was seven years old, I decided that she was the only person that spoke this uh, weird language. (laughs) So I started refusing to speak uh, English to her. And so she found this camp in uh, Wisconsin. And for the next seven years, every summer, I spent going to school in the U.S. to just kind of see another part of the world. Um, Wisconsin to Mexico City to Wisconsin was at seven years old was <laughs> probably a little bit of a shock. It was a little rough. Yeah. Um, I would imagine. But uh, uh, my mom always kind of put this idea into my head that I would go to school in the U.S. And, you know, obviously having the dual citizenship helped. Um, and uh, I went to school at uh, Boston University. Uh, thought I would become a diplomat. I, you know, I've always um, identified myself more as a... Um, global citizen a la Carlos Santana I think he he's <laughs> known for having said that he's not really Mexican he's a citizen of the world right. um, and uh, so I studied oye como va well then we might have to we might have to get into the um, your your family there's there's something some sort of royalty in the family right so I didn't do this study, but uh, my <laughs> Sotelo family once did a, a massive family reunion in the beach town city, beach city of Acapulco in Guerrero, 
like 400 or 500 sotelos from all over Mexico came. And somebody did a genealogical study to try to figure out where the last name Sotelo or when it arrived um, to the country. And somebody found out that there was actually a one of the several warriors or soldiers that um, Hernán Cortés traveled to Mexico with on his first expedition. One of them was a Sotelo and ended up, uh, you know, when they finally conquered the Aztecs in um, now Mexico City, uh, you know, kind of the, the, the routine for the Aztecs was that they would have multiple princesses. And, you know, that's when the, the mixing of the races happened. And that's when the mixing of the Spanish race, mild heritage, and um, native uh, Mexican heritage kind of crossed. And this wine is great. I love the nose on this, and the finish is amazing. That just subtle. So this is um, an fruit. experiment. I haven't decided yet if I'm going to bottle it, but I, you know, I, I always take inspiration on my wines from um, top producers in Spain, and one of my favorite rosés, other than Scribes, good save, <laughs> uh, is uh, Lopez de Redia rosé. Uh, I that rosé is uh, a blend of Tempranillo, Grenache, and Viuda. Viuda is a white grape, um, and they age it for five years in barrel, mostly in, uh, neutral American oak, and then five years in bottle before their release. So their current release, the last one I had was 2010. I don't have that much time. I just started my brand. To, uh, I can't age them that long, um, so I've been trying to find a way to make a similar rosé that um, is out to the market a little quicker. Mm. But this is a blend of uh, Grenache, Tempranillo, and a little bit of Chardonnay, um, and aged under floor, so it's a film that grows on the surface of the, of the barrels. So I, I was not very judicious in topping them. And you let this film grow on top, and similar to sherry, it starts giving this, the, 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 the film um, starts metabolizing different um, compounds in the wine and starts creating this nutty, savory quality to it. Uh, I must say, this wine's been stressful to make because I always feel like I've taken it too far. Um, so I ended up pulling it out of barrel, and it's now in steel, and I did sulfur it. So this is a very, I feel like it has a faint savory quality to it, mm -hmm. which uh, I like where it's headed. My wife, I think, Jackie would have preferred that I did a, a, a fruitier, cleaner style of rosé. Yeah. So that's kind of where we're at. Like, should we bottle it? Should we not? Well, there is this aroma on the nose that I couldn't identify, but now that you sort of talk about that savory, it's, it's, it? it's Marcana almonds. Oh, yeah. You know those, like, sort of Spanish-style Spanish. roasted almonds? A spice in there. Yeah. yeah. Um, really interesting. Tell Jackie it's okay. You can bottle it. <laughs> and that wine that was his inspiration. I've seen bottles on Instagram, but I've never actually oh, really? tried one myself. I got, yeah. I, I, well, a uh, hundred dollar bottle rosé. Yeah. I, yeah. I, I got one. I got Do you have one? A couple. Yeah. You have a couple. I have a couple. I don't think I paid that much for them though. Okay. <laughs> I hope I didn't pay that much for them. Yeah. That's okay. retail. Yeah. No, I, I I bought them from Zachy's probably. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Now that's one of my like buy a couple. Splurge every year of Lopez yeah. and Redia. Uh, the the red, the red, the white, and the rosé, and they're all like current releases of the red. I think are like they're early two thousands right now. Yeah, um, very very affordable. The and, reds are. Yeah, the red and the reds aren't crazy expensive, and you don't even then you you know you kind of bury them in your cellar. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, wait another ten years but once it lands in your house. Will you just talk about the the the, 
the film though or like the like that process because that uh, have you guys ever seen have you guys ever worked in a seller that any, did anything the, like that you know you um have to have a certain amount of seller latitude <laughs> uh, that's what <laughs> i was thinking like like, like that's that. that's yeah. a little bit crazy right to be in with other I mean, I think I've seen it in a like opened on, a barrel on and accident. Seen it. Yeah, <laughs> and it and, freaks you out, and, and it like, freaks you out, and you're like, uh, top it, top it, top it, let it come out the top, yep. right? And, Skim it out, and and keep it, yeah. But and, it naturally, it. it can naturally occur uh, in wine. It's just like similar to botrytis. Like there's good botrytis and there's bad botrytis. The botrytis they get in Germany to make their really sweet rieslings, that's the good one. But you can also get really bad botrytis that just completely ruins your crop. Similar to floor, um, you can get good floor that you know provides a little bit of complexity to the wine, or you can get bad floor that just totally ruins it. But is that like can you actually identify that? Is it a aromatic thing? Is it a taste? Is it analyzed? So what I ended up doing is I bought a bottle of sherry um, bottled in rama. That term in rama means they bottle straight from the barrel. There's no filtering. And I just took that bottle and so sort of a natural wow. inoculation. Yeah, just inoculated. With the right floor, whatever floor the bottle whatever had. It <laughs> and uh, it 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 took a couple of tries, but eventually it did bloom, and uh, it looked wild. And you know, my my technical sense immediately was like, okay, you got to sulfur it, you got to top it, like. Yeah. But you, I just let it ride. It was a. Then it happened to Davis. He failed that experiment, right? <laughs> I, I mean. They may come take his diploma back. Right. <laughs> you can't hang that on your wall anymore. <laughs> but uh, yeah, after three months, I just felt I'd taken it a little too far and it was too sherried. So I sulfured it. And the, the there's some fruit that's come back in the wine. And now I'm just on that point of like, is it is it interesting enough or did I did I clean it up too much? Yeah, no, I think it's super interesting. I think it just requires a conversation mm-hmm. with with whoever is you know buying it or whoever you're drinking it with and sometimes we don't always have time for those conversations what will the uh what will the label look like for this um it will similar to the other labels that i have i'm just thinking you know what i'm trying to do to differentiate my bottles is there's a there's a emblem that we create that uh the design company in colombia created it's very nicely done it has, a, really. it has a mountain lion or a puma, which represents my Mexican orange uh, heritage. Uh, it has a bear, which represents California. And then at the very bottom, it has a, a head trained uh, prune vine. Oh, yeah. And above it, it has a cluster. And then it says uh, singular wines from Alta California. So all these aspects of, my, of the branding that we're doing is always paying an homage to our origins. And back in the day, California used to be part of New Spain. Yes. Uh, and there, for a very brief time, uh, current day U.S. California was called Alta California, and the capital was uh-huh. actually in Monterey. And it's you know there the the remnant of that is Baja is Baja California. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, well, they've done a really nice job for you coming from graphics, and uh, it's just it, it's stellar. Thank you. Yeah, we were, congrats we're really to those. Happy. You, you you really uh, lined up a good relationship. Uh, yeah, we that think means so you're well. good to work with. You know, because it's not all the agency. Yeah, it's, it's the client. Yeah, it's a really interesting one. Um, 
So we'll probably, you know, obviously with rosés, the color is interesting. Um, so we'll bottle it in flint and uh, we'll probably do a lighter color on the emblem itself. It might just be the gold foil and no color, color behind it. just the color that changes on that, the copy never. Mm -hmm. yeah, mm -hmm. The, the copy stays the same. And I'm trying to give well, very wine formal. titles. Very, very formal mm -hmm. pretty. Yeah. I mean, I think you could just call it Rosado, Rosado and Floor and, and people, or just call it in Floor or something. I mean, yeah. People will know what Floor is. Yeah. 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 But, the right customers. Yeah. And I, I will say, maybe I'm just trying to get more people on the bandwagon. Interesting, age-worthy rosé does not have to be bottled in Flint. That's Don't, true. I mean, I'm... I, right. I, I, having released, you know, in in antique green rosé that has interesting color, you know, people see the color, they buy it because they know it's in the bottle. Um, yeah. So don't... don't you know, maybe Jackie will disagree with me and then do whatever Jackie says. But, uh, <laughs> you know, I think that this is something that is, um, you know, has seller life to it, um, is obviously singular enough, singularly from Cal Alta California, um, that it's worthy of putting in a bottle that you feel like you can age it in. Yeah. Uh, wow. If you can get the bottles. If you can get the glass. You know what? <laughs> put it in whatever it. fucking glass <laughs> you can. Yeah. But put it in glass. Can put it in it. glass. I don't care. Yeah. You can can it. Um, you know, it, it's funny. I we, We've made the joke before, you know, you go to UC Davis to learn how wine is made. And um, you went to UC Davis to learn how wine is made, but you're learning how to make wine by doing things like that, mm -hmm. right? And I think that's really cool. And so good for you for taking the chance to experiment with it and... Um, that's that's cool. Yeah. No, and, and I mean, that's partly why I, just, I wanted to go to Davis is I wanted to learn the practical aspects of uh, of the job and what we have to do and make sure that I know how to help myself out if something's going south. But for the most part, uh, you know, the, the wines that I love from Spain, these are uh, enological traditions that go back centuries before there was any technology or uh, any really thinking about um, the techniques that they were using, uh, and that's what I found really alluring to the Spanish to the Spanish wines is that there's this resurgence of all these native varieties that are not what um, uh, you normally see in California, and all these different classic techniques of making wine that I think um, would be interesting to replicate here in California and find a new way of expressing those varieties and expressing terroir in California. You know, I joked about the seller latitude to be able to do something like this, but is there an, there's an element of that, right? Working for Scribe where, you know, you make Pinot Noir Nouveau, you make Sparkling Mission, you can really, like, kind of do what you want there, and you have, you know, the customer base that'll eat it up so that you, you, don't, you, know, you don't have to, like, the, the margin of error is maybe wider. Mm -hmm. um, so is, is there something, am, am I conjecture in there is there like a sort of latitude freedom that you feel in that cellar to you know let a rosé grow some weird shit on the top of it <laughs> <laughs> uh, i mean is there there's like that culture is pretty rich there well right? I, I will say that in terms of allowing me to do all these wines um i really have to thank the seha family um okay. i make these wines at airs of my dream winery oh, you do? Okay. um so we're still working on building our own space for scribe so we function out of several different custom crush facilities right. um, mostly tim barn that's where um, the bulk of the scribe wines are made um, but i make a little bit of scribe wine at airs of my dream and uh, the Seha family has been really nice in supporting me in this project as well. So cool. They're the ones who are. That's a good shout out. Yeah. Yeah. I yeah. Take it. 
Just don't wear shorts too much. Armando will wonder what's wrong with you if you always wear shorts. <laughs> that's why that's why he came with these muddy boots, right? He right. didn't make it look like you know right. winemaker is at in the vineyard. Right. Shout out to Armando, <laughs> but yeah. He 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 has commented before, like, why are you in shorts? <laughs> can't do real work. He's in a great guy. Right. Yeah, yeah it's all, you can't do vineyard work in shorts. <laughs> That's this Tempranillo is huge, huge um, on its on the nose, and just it's beautiful, big all taste, right. nice stuff. Let's talk about Tempranillo. Like for all the people out there that know nothing about Tempranillo, and or like go you know say oh I like it, but they don't really know why they like it. Give us your love affair for Tempranillo. So again, Tempranillo is another variety native to Spain, mostly known. Uh, to be grown in the regions of Rioja and Ribera del Duero. Those two regions make two very different styles of red wine. Um, but what's interesting is during the phylloxera pandemic, that, uh, is it pandemic? That's not the right word. It just rolls off the, rolls off the tongue rolls off these days. Really easily. Yeah. <laughs> uh, was it, it wouldn't have been an epidemic either. The, well, just when... I, don't, I think pandemic is, pandemic is... is Fair for Probably phylloxera? not inappropriate, yeah. I mean, in the way that sort of spread and was... Uh, was everywhere, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, think that, I think pandemic works. Yeah, we all, it, we all know what the fuck it means now. <laughs> that's for sure. It works enough for our listeners. <laughs> so there was a, a period in the late 1800s where a lot of the vineyards in in Europe and starting in France were uh, obliterated by this uh, uh, bug that lived uh, aphid that lived underground and ate all the roots. And what happened is a lot of the Bordelais uh, wine community ended up uh, starting to um, get a lot of their grapes and a lot of their bulk wine from Rioja. So they could continue to bottle Bordeaux reds at the time. Um, so there's always been this play, this play and uh, 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 appreciation between the style of wines and, and the techniques being done in Bordeaux and what Spain got during that period of also learning what uh, the French techniques were. Um, Tempranillo, I always like to try to help people when they're trying um, Spanish wines to associate what they know with what these varieties are. So, for example, uh, Godello is the Chardonnay. Alberino could be a Riesling or a Sauvignon Blanc. Tempranillo is more for the cab lovers or the Merlot lovers. Um, and then you have this other grape called Mencia, which is also from Galicia. And that's kind of in an interesting middle ground. of It could be Pinot-esque, but it also has some Syrah quality to it. Um, so I found that uh, trying to do these um, comparisons really helps people uh, understand, okay, well, I like these styles of wine. I like Pinot, therefore I'll like Mencia. Or I like Tempranillo. And the thing about Tempranillo is that depending on where it's grown, it can also be a different beast. There's also different clones. The Rioja Tempranillos tend to be a little lighter, tend to be a little bit more Burgundian in style in terms of um, how refreshing they are. They have a little bit more acidity. They're not as tannic, not as alcoholic. Versus Ribera del Duero, where I work, those clones of Tempranillo can be a lot more muscular. They can be much more like Cab. Um, and um, there's a number of different clones of Tempranillo um, in, the, in California now. Uh, a lot of the ones that most growers are planting come from Ribera del Duero or from the region of Toro. And Toro is, that's like the muscular Tempranillo. Um, that's more almost like a Morved. Um, and so I'm working with the clones that come from Ribera del Duero, and I'm trying to find sites that um, have high elevation 
or calcareous soils, because those are the two things um, that exist where the best vineyards in Spain come from. Both Rioja and Rivera del Duero have calcareous soils, and they're very high elevation. Um, Tempranillo is a red variety that doesn't um, doesn't hold acidity very well, but again, it's really good on, um, with heat. It doesn't shrivel very easily. It doesn't sunburn very easily. Um, and just like the, the word says, Tempranillo means early ripener. So again, uh, in a warming climate, early ripener is not necessarily the worst thing that you can have. So where are you finding Tempranillo in, you know, California? And not so much, you know, where is it planted, but where are you specifically uh, uh, getting yours from? Uh, so uh, in 2019, I started working with two vineyards. Uh, one of them is an Atlas Peak um, and is a vineyard that I source um, Cabernet Sauvignon from for Scribe as well. So it's on my sampling route. I'm trying to keep things also like easy for me keep your life sane and simple as much as possible <laughs> um and then um scott kirkpatrick put me in touch with ann kramer up at shake ridge oh that's what i was wondering shout if you hit up yeah okay shout out to scott yeah mountain ties they actually just got a really nice write-up in the new york times yeah. asimov love you yeah, that was awesome um so he put me in touch with ann kramer and i i had already heard of shake ridge i just didn't have a connection to ann um but immediately i fell in love with what she was doing up in the sierras and um i think she's one of the best tempranillo growers out there and um i had two high elevation sites they're both about 1400 uh, feet of elevation um rivera del duero sits around 1600 um so i'm trying to find high elevation sites to begin with and just exploring different regions in California to see, you know, what these different areas are expressing for this grape. So 1,400 feet on Atlas Peak and then 1,400 feet up in, up in uh, Amador. Amador and Sutter Creek. I wonder what the soil difference is. Well, I mean, you know, Vaca Range, um, you know, eastern Napa Valley, it's volcanic soils for the most part. And Red then, soils. Uh, probably kind of the same thing and mm-hmm. not so much calciferous up there and calcareous Mm-mm. up there and, and neither location yeah for the calcareous soils i've had to go down to paso yeah, exactly. which is the, the new vineyards that i picked up in 2021 hmm. um but again i i could have come out with a napa tempranillo and a um amador county tempranillo for my first vintage um but um you know i'm in it for the long haul with this brand and what i'm really trying to get people convinced on first is that california is a great place to be growing these varieties and it's making really interesting and high quality wines so the 2019 vintage is california appellated but it's both vineyards uh, blended together right and basically 50 50 or a little more one uh pretty close pretty close 50 50 what would happen if you took your two autotets that are in different vineyards, same thing, and blended those? Uh, well, I mean, it would probably be really delicious, um, I would hope. Uh, <laughs> it would be, I could call it a North Coast Appalachian because it's um, Napa and Sonoma counties. You know, adding, once once you get out of what, Napa, Sonoma, Mendocino, um, Lake County, North Coast? Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. Once you get out of those, you you know, you have to add the, you know, if it was all Sierra foothills, I guess you could put Sierra foothills on it, but, um, you know, because it's, because it's Amador County, yeah. you add, you, you know, to Napa County, it becomes California appellated. Um, yeah, this it's interesting silly. concept in yeah. blending the two together. And eventually I will want to make a Napa appellated and an Amador appellated. I guess I, I just wanted to 
be a little bit more humble at the start and not just be like, here, try my single vineyard, <laughs> Napa County Tempranillo. You've never heard of me, but you want to buy this bottle. <laughs> Are you sure you're a winemaker? <laughs> <laughs> what? I'll get there. A winemaker with soul, Sam. Yeah. You can have soul and ego, I, I hope. <laughs> right, we, could, we could ask a bunch of winemakers, see what they think. Yeah. If they have soul or if they have ego. <laughs> I think they're anyway, moving right along. Um, what will in be the retail? Of getting guests one day again <laughs> right, in the future. Exactly. Stop this conversation. <laughs> what um, What's the retail on this? So the Albor White that we tried first, the Arrino Godeo blend, that's going to retail for thirty-five, and then the California Tempranillo is going to be forty. Super affordable. I'm, I'm actually putting a Shake Ridge Tempranillo on by the glass at the hotel starting this week. Made by? Groove. By Groove. Yeah. In, in, from their bottles or from their cans? Bottles. One of their first bottlings. But they're getting the fruit from the same um, vineyard. Yeah, with a little bit of uh, Moved. One day, uh, we'll, we, I think it. we'll probably have to go up there to yeah. get Ann on the show. Yeah. Uh, but we, that's a... She's a really that's interesting a high, person. High I want to see Also that a humble... Humble person yeah. in the winemaker. Well, she's a grower. She's not a winemaker. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, uh, in a similar... Um, uh, so I'm, I'm very interested and excited by this. Yeah, next too. So, in a similar uh, idea that I had with the rosé of like trying to emulate uh, some wines that I really respect in um, Spain, but knowing that I don't have this, you know, the same uh, uh, finances, space, or time to age um, my Tempranillos like they do at Lopez de Heredia. Again, same thing, five years in barrel, five years in bottle, and then release. Uh, I've been trying to find ways to coax Tempranillo. Um, early on, Tempranillo can have a very juvenile fruit phase where it's just like bubblegum fruit and it's there in the barrel for a year to two years. And it's really hard to coax it out and kind of take all that baby fat out. So I realized that part of the reason why they leave it in barrel in Rioja for so, so long and they rack it so often, because they probably rack wow. it two to three times a year for five years. Wow. Two so they really, they really, that's what you can do when you own the land out, right? Yeah, <laughs> you know, and you got your kids working for you, you and it's a very oxidative way of racking it as well. Yeah. They'll go barrel to barrel, and it's a big splash, yeah. and obviously they use a lot of sulfur to not totally destroy the wine. But it also speaks to the wine, right? Like how, as you said, how young and juvenile it must be to mm -hmm. to not just fall apart after all that. So I do um, four to five rackings on my Tempranillos throughout the two-year span that they stay in barrel. Splash racks? Splash racks. And uh, what I've been doing, and I plan to continue to do with my uh, Tinta Alta bottling, the California Appellated Tempranillo, is adding back a Solera Tempranillo that I've been building. Um, so I have a non-vintage uh, right now it's only one puncheon, but I'll be growing it over the vintages. So this puncheon's made up of 2018, 2019, and 2020 wine from the two sites that I've been working with in Napa and Amador County. Will you expand just quickly on the Solera concept for folks who haven't heard about it? Yeah, um, most and, people... And that goes from the tradition to how you're making yeah, it work exactly. for yourself. Most, uh, most people will know of Solera from uh, the production of Sherry. 
uh, um, sherry's made in Cadiz in like south south western Spain right on the coast and um, you're basically you're not bottling vintage product you're bottling a product that's made up of multiple different vintages and the way it kind of works is you have a pyramid of barrels and you're bottling from the very bottom barrels but you don't completely empty those barrels and as the pyramid stacks up you have newer and newer vintages and you're just topping from the top down and over time what you're trying to create is a consistent product similar to champagne I guess where it's always going to taste the same and um, you get also different uh, complexities of the yes. different vintages and it smells um, you get fruity characters but you also get the more aged qualities uh, so that's what I'm trying to attempt with my Solera I don't have space for a pyramid so or I'm time. just <laughs> right. what I'm doing is every time that I uh, pr I'm preparing for a bottling I'll take s some product off the Solera puncheon for the main blend and then once I put up my blend for the, let's say the 2020 vintage, I'll take a barrel back of that wine that's going to get bottled and blend it back into the Solera. So every vintage I'm adding a little bit more from the newest ones. Um, so right now I have one puncheon and I'll be growing it probably to like a puncheon in a barrel. And this is what's providing that slight more, again, savory quality and more aged quality to the Tempranillo. And by labeling it California gives me that flexibility of of the of the extra um other vintages vintages yeah mm -hmm. oh, yeah yeah but I think this Solera and I mean this isn't something you're so you're not necessarily going to bottle a Solera a on Solera temper unless you like it and you think I should <laughs> it's a lot huh? of pressure <laughs> wait a minute wait a minute. <laughs> wait a minute you're asking Sam you're not asking Brian <laughs> <laughs> I'm not the, yeah, exactly I'm not the one who has to buy it <laughs> Brian says yes. Uh -huh. Brian's silence says yes. But you get more of those meaty characters. And it's not Brett, but there's a savory quality to it that Tempranillo gets with multiple rackings with a lot more time in barrel. Yeah. No, I was saying the, the length on it is amazing if you just sit with it for a little while. And it almost has like a, you know when you eat Swiss cheese, I don't know if this happens to other people where it's, it almost uh, does something to the inside of your mouth where it, it it's not pain, but it's, it's yeah, a it's, sensation. It's the, it's the salt crystals that, that cheese creates. There's something that like does that. This wine is doing that to the in, to the roof of my mouth as well. It's mm -hmm. like affecting it in some. It's really right? Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. I think you could probably sell some of this. Yeah, for sure. But yeah, mostly I just thought this was it's a way for me to coax the wine, without having to spend five years in barrel and yeah, don't have time for that. <laughs> it's pretty brilliant uh, application of these sort of ancient technologies to modern life. Right. Yeah. yeah the leaving, reality of making wine in you know, custom crush facilities, borrowing space, the whole deal. <laughs> right. Leaving um, wines in barrels for 52 months and moving them to six different wineries isn't necessarily the best thing to do in the world, but... Um, turned out, but it turned out, out pretty good. It? Yeah, it works out. Can Solera Contango? Is that coming next? Maybe so. Solera Contango. <laughs> Well, you have an order already. Roger Randall in St. Louis wants a bunch, so it's a good thing. Show's not even out yet. <laughs> He's just looking at the podcast our... bump is real. Yeah, there you go. So before we go on, will you once it sort of reiterate what the the release is coming next month? Next month, mailing list only sort of deal. How's that? How's that work? It's going to be mailing up? list only. 
Um, and uh, so you have to sign up to the mailing list, and once we open it up, you'll be able to create an account to order the wines. Um, we are planning to do uh, prepackaged um, bundles because uh, we want people, um, you know, to, to buy a, a number of uh, a bottles so that they can enjoy the wine and see the progression of it. I mean, these wines that I'm trying to make, you know, I'm, they're meant for 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 aging. They're ready to drink. I mean, the Albarino is smelling amazing, but there's also a longevity to these wines. Yeah. And so I want people to be able to experience that and see that these are, you know, we're making these wines with a lot of thought and care. And um, these are going to be wines that will continue to age beautifully. And so the inaugural release is the, the Albor and the... Tintalta. Tintalta. And then with the um, Orinto or the Chacolí style white, um, potentially the Rosé, those would be Do it. a spring release. Do it. <laughs> So having two releases a year, I think that's doable for Jackie and I. We, yeah. can, we can make that happen. Um, and then I brought some barrel samples of our 2021 new, new vineyards. Um, 2020, um, unfortunately, our Atlas Peak uh, vineyard. Um, yeah, that was probably pretty early to be checked off the list. Didn't do so well with that fire. Um, the Shake Ridge Amador County uh, lots for 2020 are, are doing fine. Yeah, I know. Um, but in 2021, we went down south. Um, I got in touch with um, Josh Jen or not Josh Jensen, um, Eric Jensen from uh, Booker Vineyard. Yeah. And uh, I asked him if he could uh, put me in touch with some Tempranillo growers. Um, was trying to find the best uh, sites down in Paso that has uh, you know some calcareous soils. Um, and so uh, the first one that I poured for you is uh, the single vineyard Atlas Peak. Look at this color. And what is the, oh what's God. the vineyard in Atlas Peak? Did you say? Uh, it's stagecoach. It is stagecoach. Yeah. Yeah. So um, it, it kind of to a, get up to that height, it had to be up there. Yep. Kind of electric, uh, electric Kool-Aid acid flashback purple. Wow. I know. I've heard that color before. <laughs> <laughs> I've seen that. I've heard it. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's still going through Mallow. Yeah. So you get a little bit of that spritz. But I wanted you guys to feel just the, the intensity of the tannin the Tempranillo can have. It can be a little tricky, similar to Nebbiolo, that it can easily extract tannins if you take it a little bit too far. Um, part of the traditional technique that I saw happen in Rioja a lot too is a lot of egg white finding. Huh. And it's actually part of the tour. If you go to certain wineries, you will see a guy just Sitting there cracking eggs. eggs. And wow. he'll just have a stack of eggs and that he's working on. Custards on the menu on the other end of the, <laughs> <laughs> the, end of the tour. Getting some of all those yolks. So talk a little about the winemaking on this. I mean, how are you managing the tannins? What What are you doing? I see that bubblegum kind of like fruity. Yeah, yeah. And that just intensifies. The, yeah, crazy. Right. Um, so, you know, I, I've taken a lot of my technique uh, to what I learned when I worked in Rivera del Duero. It's really simple. I just stem all the Tempranillo. Uh, mostly do pump overs, um, trying to get air in there as early as possible. Um, and then, um, you know, I take a, a pretty like Bordelaise approach in terms of days on skins, 20 to 30 days on skins max. Um, I'll do some extended if it finish early, but Tempranillo is a slow fermenter too. So usually take 15 to 20 days to uh, finish primary and just a little bit more to kind of coax the tannins that I'm trying to look for. Um, but uh, most of the rackings that I do after that, they're all oxidative. I'm not really worried about picking up too much oxygen. Um, it needs it again because of that fruity character that it has. And then the 2019 version, if you can tell, those tannins have really like 
Paula Stout. Yeah, it's just like it's ready to drink. What's the what's the oak? Forty percent. Forty percent new. Um, and again, I'm working with um, cooperages that I tried in in Spain and barrels that I tried that I felt worked well. So Cadu, great barrel for Tempranillo. Um, Cadar is a great is barrel it for Spanish Tempranillo. Oak? Uh, no Spanish oak. Um, <laughs> you know, in Spain they use a lot of American oak, and that's also partly just a interesting cultural. Uh, political history there where at some point there was an economic embargo between Spain and France and Spain wasn't buying French uh-huh. barrels so they went to America to buy American oak barrels and then it just stuck yeah. and it's just been part of that style since then um, I find that the fruit profile of uh, California Tempranillo is doesn't pair well with American oak um, there's just all those whiskey lactones just make the fruit feel a little bit I don't know. I don't like it. So I've just stuck to French oak. What do you guys... Uh, and and the, I'm sorry, the Kadar is French Kadar or it's Hungarian Kadar? Hungarian. Yeah. Yeah, Petrea. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Those are nice barrels. Who do you know in town that does Tempranillo? Uh, the Bunchus do. Yeah. The Rosé. The Rosé is... And then they do a... I think they do a red bottling. Um, I remember Jeff saying they planted it because he wanted a wine to have for a girl in the gaucho when... Sandra had grown the gaucho. Um, and then Benziger's do a Tempranillo. Imagery, yeah. Um, they, imagery does. One, yeah. um, those, are not, those are not and too Inkadu, bad. Inkadu, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Can't think of anybody else, though. Well, they're... <laughs> Gustavo Sotelo. These are beautiful. <laughs> Maybe you've Thank met you. him. <laughs> yeah, I just did on a podcast yeah. the other day. <laughs> I mean, I think my next uh, goal is to start finding um, sites in Sonoma County that are planted as Spanish varieties. The whites are a little bit easier. Um, uh, Dan O'Brien from Gale put me in touch with uh, the winemaker for Reprie. Remind me his name? Eric Bradley. And he has a vineyard called Two Creeks. Two Creeks, and he has some Albarino planted there. Um, I met him actually a couple years ago, and he offered me the fruit, but my budget at the time wasn't there yet. But I'm going to try to um, link up with him again. And then for Tempranillo... You guys know of any sources? I, you know, know. Chuy Ordaz um, grows um, some Albarino that's down off of Leveroni. No, off of Petaluma Avenue. Mm. Um, I think it all goes to imagery at this point, but certainly would be worth a phone call. Yeah. I mean, as far as that goes for those two varieties in Sonoma County, where would you be looking? I mean, I think of down on Petaluma's, you know, that's pretty heavy clay soils close to Carneros. What, where would you be, ideally, if you were someone's going to let you plant it, where would you be going for well, those? What's interesting, if, if you drive through Galicia, it's so reminiscent of the California coastline. All their vineyards are so close to the ocean, um, and there's obviously a lot of humidity in place. So the way they train their white grapes are in these pergolas, which are basically like arbors. Right. Um, again, partly that's uh, cultural and political because the... Um, the people that own land there, um, they were very limited on the size of their plots. So in order to maximize their land and what they were able to use it for, they built these pergolas so that they could farm beneath the vines and have different crops and still have the grapes. And also partly because of humidity by raising the fruit zone. 
you're like above the head and so there's less potential for for mildew um but it i think uh, a lot of the climate that we have in carneros when it's not so hot i think is pretty ideal for growing these white varieties like albarino and godeo um somewhere out in the petaluma gap as well i'm thinking more toward bennett valley and where gaps crowned and roberts road vineyard is i think those would be great sites for the whites for the reds i'm still looking for um higher elevation right. so moon mountain somewhere in moon mountain might be ideal yeah, yeah Rocky, I, I know the southern, southern facing south end of mm -hmm. yeah. yeah the imagery it's uh, there that's up on pine mountain and cloverdale so that's at That'd elevation spot, right? you know and and very cool but you know way up there i think that's above 2,000 feet there um but yeah, I, I was more wondering about the the soils because I would think that the soils would have a big effect on the Albarino. Mm -hmm. um, the soils in um, in Galicia, where I've seen Albarino grown, there I mean, there's a pretty heavy amount of clay in them. Yeah. Okay, cool. They can handle it. Yeah, yeah. Awesome. So that was our 2020 Atlas Peak Tempranillo. Sorry, I'm looking at Tempranillo. It looks like Maramar Torres, Larson. There's some people that are. Farming here in Sonoma Valley. Yeah, and Gunlock Bunchu is mentioned. And then I... Um, Irwin family. I brought one more uh, barrel sample of a new vineyard I'm working with down in Paso. This is in the Willow Creek District. Um, this vineyard is called Cat called Catapult, and it's farmed by Epic. Epic Wines. Uh, the winemaker there is Jordan, Jordan Fiorentini. Yeah, Jordan, yeah. Yeah. She, she's doing amazing stuff there. I really like her wines. Um, and I did a comparative tasting of domestic Tempranillos from Washington State all the way down the coastline. And her Tempranillos, along with Booker and Cayuse in um, uh, Red Mountain District in, uh, in Washington State, were the best. Um, so when I was able to get in touch with Epic and they said they saw me some fruit, I was just stoked. Nice. Isn't it nice when you meet all these new people and you can get fruit from them and it really works out perfectly. Yeah. Yeah, it's just and I mean, I'm, I'm coming with small petitions. I think I only got one ton from this. So for them, it's probably more of a headache to deal with me than dealing with somebody that's going to buy five, ten. On the other hand, no, you're making don't think that at all out, out of it. <laughs> and believe did me, did we have those notice. bins for that guy in Sonoma? <laughs> well, right. So different. So, so different. different. Doesn't have that sort of, or maybe it'll develop later, that sort of bubblegum fruit. Yeah, I'm, I'm really interested to see how this Paso uh, fruit works out. Um, much slower ripening. Right. Atlas Peak comes in around the time that I'm like peak season of Pinot, which makes it a little tough for me. You but don't make that much Pinot though, do you? <laughs> fields and fields of Pinot. <laughs> uh, oh, uh, I forgot to mention, Bart. Um, you worked with Lo Chamizal a bunch. Yes. You hear he, uh, Peter Haywood planted some Pinot there? I, I did know that. I, I watched I him T-butted it over. a place for some Tempranillo, really. That um, would be also a great yeah, site for yeah. it, actually. Um, yeah, and that was for you guys, right? Uh, not planted intentionally for us, but using budwood from the estate. Okay. And uh, we got to work with it today, this year. Uh, we were going to do rosé and red, but um, there wasn't enough crop for the red, so right. we only made a rosé. Yeah. One of my favorite lots, actually. Really? Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's in a definitely in a, a, a challenged location there, you know, on that side, kind of side canyon. It gets all sorts of morning 
sun, I would imagine, and then it goes into the shadow in yeah. the afternoon, right? It, so I, think, if, I think if I'm thinking of the right lot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, so I think it, it'd work well for Pinot up there. Um, we'll, I think next year we'll try to make a red out of it. Yeah. Um, and we'll see how it goes. But Yeah. Yeah. I, 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 I love that vineyard. I hope whoever he ends up selling it to is right. someone who respects it. Yeah. You know, going forward. Makes it better. Yeah, yeah. So That's the idea. You know, even regenerative farming now is, is making the the mainstream press and people are starting to talk about it. And it's always make it better than you found it. Mm-hmm. Leave it be- Leave the campsite cleaner than you found it. Kind Absolutely. Of and yeah. uh, it's just uh, I'm, I'm very happy that people are doing that. Yeah. It takes what we have and makes it, raises all boats, right? All good. For sure. These are really nice. Uh, I'm I'm doing a back-to-back tasting and appreciate yeah, you, it. Yeah, you should be very proud of these wines. Yeah. Um, for coming out with them, I, I mean, there's a, there's a, there's. Yeah, we're. I mean, I'm 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 very excited and at the same time very nervous because I know that what we're trying to do here is a little bit of a niche. Um, yeah. But uh, I think that there's potential for these uh, Spanish varieties and making really interesting uh, wines. And, you know, we're, we're, we're trying to find those. There's a lot of people that enjoy Spanish wines here. They just haven't found um, uh, their, the right producers in, in the U.S. For, for these varieties. And I'm hoping that, you know, by the exploration that we're taking, the approach that we're taking and trying to find the best sites for all these different varieties and importing new varieties into the state that, um, you know, people will, will find a connection there. Gustavo Midalthia. Hi, Adorable, huh? <laughs> She's having so much fun today. <laughs> She's dancing around, having a blast. How old now, Sam? Two and a half. Wow. All over there. Wow. Just came from gymnastics. Bye, Mama. Bye, Mama. Pee <laughs> <laughs> you want to come sit over here? Gustavo, I think the fact that you have a niche like that and it's focused is, is a positive <sighs> thing. It's not like you're trying to make just a bunch of different wines but that you have a thought process behind it i think it's going to be um i think it's going to be popular thank you appreciate it and what's the the scott kirkpatrick line that uh he he quoted himself in in the new york times about it being an an inch wide and a mile deep this is this is a little broader than that but it goes pretty deep yeah and this is green baby (laughs) It's green bean, green, green baby, green baby, green baby. Yeah, because uh, she's, she's green. She's green. Yeah. Right. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So everyone needs to sign up for the mailing list. Right. If you go right now to the website, it's just a static page, but there is ability to sign up, um, put mm-hmm. your name down, and then you'll just shoot an email out to everyone. Uh, yeah, hopefully in the next two to three weeks, the website will be totally revamped and ready. Yeah. So for now, just, uh, again, sign up to the mailing list on SotelloWines.com and yeah. follow us on Instagram, Sotelo.Wines, and uh, just join the this path that we're in and... Uh, I'm really excited for you know the new wines that are coming out and for these all these new sites that we're working with and yeah. um, I hope that people are intrigued by these wines. Oh, I'm happy that you're doing this because you know you've got such a Spanish style, and I, I really enjoyed going through the Basque country and Barcelona and, and those areas, drinking a lot of red wine. It was fun, mm-hmm. and I like the styles. You know, you can buy nice uh, Spanish Grenaches here. Uh, I don't know. 
ten dollars a bottle. Not the good ones, John. I understand, but they're pretty damn decent, <laughs> quite frankly. They're you drinkable. Know? You know, for yeah, for a Spanish wine, that's, that's ten bucks. Great, man. Yeah. I like it. Gustavo, give a little shout out to the day job, and um, tell us what's what's something exciting going on there. Yeah, so during the day, I'm uh, the winemaker for Scribe, uh, and uh, we just finished a hell of a vintage. Um, How many tons? Across all the brands, a little over 700 tons. Uh, And uh, we've already bottled several SKUs for Scribe. So um, this year we're coming out with three Petnats. We got a Rose Petnat, um, a Chardonnay Petnat, and our Estate Blend Petnat, which is a blend of Riesling, Sylvaner, Pinot, and Chardonnay. And you can you can taste every single variety in there. It's a really really fun sparkling wine. Um, and then we just bottled the Nouveau that we tried earlier. The Nouveau should be releasing in uh, two to three weeks. Which everyone you're not going to get your Beaujolais, so stock up on the Scribe, yeah. Yeah, we made sure to make enough to uh, <laughs> last us a little longer than previous years. Yeah, and a lot of people think Gamay's Pinot Noir anyway, so you know it's <laughs> kind of like being the same thing. Napa Gamay, right? Napa Gamay. Um, but yeah, there's, you know, a great thing about making wine at Scribe is, you know, we are very creative in our winemaking approach and always trying to come out with new SKUs and, uh, uh, new wine styles. So, um, this year we're also coming out with a Blanc de Noir sparkling, which, uh, is exciting. Our sparkling wine program has just been really, really growing over the last few years. Um, so, um, couldn't do it alone. Obviously, my, my team grew a lot this year. Um, I brought in uh, Corinne Rich, which you guys have had on the show. She's my new assistant winemaker. Um, and also brought um, Todd Holloway, who's a Australian who lives uh, here in town. And he, he comes from Viator. Um, so I really appreciate the the new additions to the team, along with uh, Matt Kilfillan and Uli Pavoa, who have been with me for a few years now. And uh, it's just a lot of fun. You know, we're all... Uh, pretty young winemakers and trying to figure out uh, making wine for obviously a brand that's really important here in Sonoma County, but having a lot of fun doing it and growing as we go through it. So, And I'd say go visit, but you probably can't get in anyway. Tell them you know you heard Gustavo on the Gustavo on the podcast. Yeah, and that's then, right. You know, maybe they, that's the same thing. When you get to the gate and it the is. guy with the with the walkie-talkie <laughs> says, "Who are you?" Right. To say I know Gustavo. I listen to him the on podcast. podcast. Right. That's it, man. That's I right. always joke about that the next best business that you could set up in uh, Sonoma is to set up a taco truck right outside of the gates at Scribe <laughs> and call it El Scribito. <laughs> and you could sell either the Sotelo wines or beer or whatever, and you would also just crush it. That's the second business right in right. the driveway. <laughs> yep. Third business now. Yeah, you know, they catch a little coming out of gun bun, too. Everybody's going to taco. That's right. But... But I think a taco truck with Spanish, with a Spanish uh, flair to it, maybe. Yeah. A tapas truck. A tapas truck. truck. If you guys know of anyone with a food truck that needs a new rebranding, let me know. Yeah. Little octopus. Right. Uh, What happened to the old fig trucks? Glass of uh, Albor. Have they sold them? I don't know. I mean, we're using ours at the hotel. Well, this will be the last week, as a matter of fact. Um. We're kind of shutting it down, zipping up the... the After the rain? Yeah, and the pool pool, uh, staff is moving inside, so sort of changing of the... And and I was wondering if we were just going to go straight through this year, because I thought, well, it's never going to rain again. 
Um, and then, <laughs> and then, well, and then, and then this week happens. Once every two years. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, but it may not rain in November. You know. I mean, oh, yeah. it, no, we're gonna. It's gonna be. Uh, we're, you know, we're sitting here on a Tuesday. You know, two days after this epic, you know, torrential rainstorm, uh, and it's gonna be like in the eighty. You know, in the low eighties by Friday. So it's good for, wow. good for growing your cover crop. If you had yeah. your, if you got your seeds out, it's good for growing cover yeah, crop. Right. Did they all get out everywhere? The craziest week of the harvest, John, was after all the grapes were picked, trying to get all your erosion control, all your you know seed, seed and soil amendments spread and straw spread and you know all the ditches and and berms. Yeah. It was it was, you know. Non-stop from basically, you know, this entire and week. And did anybody really know that this was going to be as big as it was? We, you know, yeah. the the reports were pretty consistent for, you know, there's these, and I don't know the science behind any of it, but there's like these different models for forecasting weather. And for a couple of weeks, all the models basically said the same thing, which is when the meteorologists and, you know, talking heads go, you're about to get hammered um and they you know maybe the forecasts were were lower than what reality was but they pretty much pretty much nailed Damn this it. one even like down to when it was going to be here and when it was going to roll out well i was doing my show saturday at the station and one to three it was just barely kind of drizzling then wham and yeah, then i had to run out on sunday afternoon it's like i should not have and sunday it, afternoon was, it was crazy it was you know high tide hit Wingo at about four o'clock. So from you know about two o'clock to six o'clock, in Sonoma, all over the you know the creeks are at their fullest. The First Street West basically from uh, you know so a little up the road from Walt, right down through you know past Valley to here was pretty much a river. And I hear uh, down in Shellville it flooded again, of course. Yeah, well that's. But I, I thought mean, it's I, also sort of built to flood, right? I mean. Yeah, you know, I thought they of, were trying to work on that and eliminate it and, you know do something new there's nothing this this is there's nothing to do down there it's you know it's it's yeah it's flat it is what it is yeah there it's there's not enough it's not enough grade to get the water out of there fast enough well where you but, live you didn't have any trouble did you with water coming down the hill oh well i mean my neighbor points all of his right to uh, you. drains right down <laughs> our backyard so um and it's you know and sure enough I, I looked over the fence like why is all this water coming through here and sure enough there's all of his drains and that's what i'm imagining sam saying he's putting out all the seeds for for cover crops that after the rains he's just gonna have cover crops at the bottom of the hill <laughs> no no well no, no, well, no all, but, but so so that's the whole thing about getting your seed out for the cover crop is that like if you go out and put your seed out now it's not going to take as well as it did if you got it out the day before the rain yeah. there's something about well one you get it out the day before the rain hopefully the birds won't eat it all um but that's what makes it it's that first rain yeah totally and and you know you're did it rain at your house, Althea? Yes. I'm did it, sure. Did it ever stop raining at your house? Yes. Yes, okay. Yes. <laughs> Was there lots of puddles in the driveway? Yeah. Okay. Did you jump in the puddles? Yeah. Fast, yeah. splash, splash. What, what, what color are your boots? Yellow. 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 Yeah. yeah, just like my microphone. <laughs> and, and that's your weather report from Sonoma. <laughs> ah. She's got a future, man. Yeah. All right, guys. Any shout-outs you want to give to anyone 
Uh, I want to give a shout out to all of our listeners, um, all my wine club people. I've been fulfilling orders uh, the last week or so and looking forward to filling a bunch more. So thank you guys all for your purchases. Wine's on its way. Uh, ditto. <laughs> ditto. I'm not doing the fulfilling. Paul and Jasmine right. and Marty and team are doing the fulfilling. But, uh. I'm, I'm, I'm going to be watching for those opening shots of, let's see, Sam's letter got out before mine, but my wine got to them first. They died. Ching. But, but who's counting? <laughs> Thank you, Gustavo. What a pleasure. This has been really nice. Thank you, guys. Thank you guys for beautiful. giving me the space to be able to share my wine. Oh, it's great. Um, Really nice. Looking forward to the release. Can make sure I'll, my email. I'm gonna. I got two email addresses, so I'm gonna sign up twice. <laughs> two purchases. Two pur- nah, We'll see. <laughs> At least I'll open it twice, so you feel good on the mail trips. <laughs> yeah. No. Thank you guys. Appreciate it. All right, everybody. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next week. Drink Spanish wine in from California. Yeah. yeah. From Alto, California.